people said he's going to look after her. Her dad is going to look after her because he's her father and she will be fine. I also hope that I'm setting a good example to her that it's okay to have a family and travel and to follow your career and that you don't have to apologize. Hi guys, Wendy here. Welcome to the Healthy and Thriving Career Moms podcast. Your weekly dose of inspiration and motivation for thriving with your healthy habits especially in the midst of the crazy mum juggle. I get that you're busy and that taking time for you is not always easy, but I'm here to help, so let's jump in. Hi guys, and welcome to the Healthy and Thriving Career Moms podcast. I am so excited today because we have our first guest interview of series one, and that is the amazing and formidable Janet Murray, who I've been a total fangirl of for so many years now, and I'm blushing even saying that with her listening to me saying that. But yes, I am so excited to have her on as our first guest. And why it's so serendipitous is because actually the reason this whole podcast has come into being is as a result of winning Janet Murray's podcast competition, which she put on earlier in the year in her membership. So it just seemed fitting that she would come on and be my first guest. So thank you so much, Janet, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I feel very honoured to be asked to be a guest. (laughs) So thank you. You've been such a pivotal part of my business journey and my career to date. And I would love you to tell the audience a little bit more about you because I know there's sort of many facets to you and your career. And it's just such an interesting story. So the way I normally introduce myself is as a content marketing expert. I help business owners to create engaging content that basically helps them sell their stuff. I do it in a number of ways. I sell a content planner. It's an A4 desk diary that has key dates, awareness days, content prompts. It's got planning templates in it. I've also got, I do a virtual event every year, which is a content planning event. So I help people to plan their content for the coming year. And I also have a membership, which is evolving. And we can probably talk more about that as we go, because I've done a lot of evolving as I've gone along. I was a school teacher to start off with. And then I retrained in journalism and I can sometimes hardly remember how it happened. I was working mainly for the Guardian newspaper and I was actually, I was finding it quite challenging because I had a a young child and a lot of people think journalists get paid a lot of money and unless they're like got the big jobs at the BBC, they generally don't, you get paid by the word. And so I was writing for quite a prestigious publication, but maybe not necessarily making as much money as people might imagine and working really hard for it. And people started to approach me and say, oh, could you come and help? You'll obviously understand how to get press coverage and how to work with journalists. Could you come and deliver some training in our company? So I used to go and do that. And then I started to think, well, how can I get more of this work? How can I get people to find me rather than wait for people to ask me? So I thought, oh, I'll start a blog and I'll I'll start this blog and then people will find me online and then they'll book me. And then, of course, I started the blog and thought, oh, well, it's not enough to have a blog. People actually have to read it. And I had quite a good following on Twitter. So Some people read it and they seemed to like it, but I was like, well, how can I get people who don't know about me to read this blog? So I started finding out about SEO, search engine optimization. I started to learn about things like email marketing and using social media to help people find you online rather than kind of wait to be found. And I just got really interested in it because it's a lot of it's about psychology and understanding like how people respond to content and how to get people to respond to content, which is part of what you do as a journalist, well, increasingly in the online world. And I started to enjoy it more than journalism. I found it easier as a journalist. I was often working to quite 
tight deadlines and people would see me in the playground and they'd say, oh, it's so nice for you that you're freelance. I'd be like, yeah, but I've been up since four o'clock <laughs> meeting a deadline. You know, it wasn't always easy having a, a small child at home. So I gradually just pivoted into, well, maybe I could start to teach people about how to get press and PR online. So I moved into that and I, I discovered early on, and I'm glad I did, that it's really important to sell what people want to pay for, not what you want to sell. So I I started selling online courses in press and PR. And gradually, I've kind of pivoted from there. I started a podcast, just again, thinking, well, how can I get in front of more people who don't know about me? What would be a good way? Oh, I know, I'll start a podcast and see how that goes. And most of what I've done the planner included, has been, oh, wouldn't it be a good idea (laughs) to do that? Why don't I just try that? Now I've got this multi-six-figure business where I've got the planner, I've got physical products, I've got the membership, I've got the event that I do. And this year I've made a decision. I, I was actually running two memberships, but I made a decision to just stick with the one thing, to take my own advice and to actually focus on a really tight niche. I used to focus on like audience building, which took in so many different things. And now I'm just focusing on content planning and content creation, which is my favorite thing. So it's been a kind of a journey of just unexpected twists and turns. None of it was planned. And I like where I've ended up. I love that you're so candid about that because I think sometimes people look at successful businesswomen or women who have successful careers and just think, oh, well, it's just, oh, it's landed in her lap or that's so lucky for her or it's easy for her. And actually what I love so much about your work is that you are very honest about what it takes behind the scenes to build a successful business or career. And I love that you've done both the career and have been a business owner and you've done it all around being a mum. So can you tell me a little bit more about what that looked like and maybe some of the struggles that you found in managing career and being a working mum? It's been quite a bumpy journey in every way that you can possibly imagine. I always really, really wanted to be a mum and I always wanted three or four children because I'm, I'm one of two. And I always had this idea that it would be great to have a house full of kids. And so I had some fertility issues and it took me quite a while to have my daughter. It turned out there was some underlying unrelated health condition. So I got on top of that. I got pregnant and had a miscarriage. And that hit me a lot harder than I thought it ever would. Like I could never really understand why people were so upset about miscarriages until it started to happen to me. And then I... And apologies for anyone listening. I'm going to talk about some things which might be a bit upsetting if that's okay with Wendy. Absolutely. I've been very open about my fertility struggles and miscarriage. And I think it's certainly very important that we bring this stuff into the light. It's also about how you manage that with work as well and running a business because it's really tough to go through it, but you've still got to show up and do your work. And so I did go on to have my daughter... I was a wreck when I was pregnant because I was so terrified of something going wrong again. And my daughter then turned up three months early. I laugh, it wasn't funny at the time. She turned up three months early. She was really poorly. She was in neonatal intensive care for three months, which was really stressful. I was a freelance journalist at the time. And I kind of worked during it, partly because we needed the money, but partly because it just helped to have something to do that it just kind of is something to distract me from all the worry. She was, we eventually got her home after about three months. She's 16 now, but I feel like it happened yesterday. And she's very lucky in that she hasn't got any long lasting health issues, although we might get to, to something 
later and she's really tall and she's you know she's taller than me and it's all it all turns out fine and you've got that little picture on your social media of her when she was premature yeah it was the worst I mean I know I see people go through it again and again and I never know how they do it because I was just beside myself with worry I just couldn't function and when she was a small child I used to go in and I used to send my husband in because I couldn't bear to go in and check her because I was so terrified something awful would happen. I had no idea that my husband One of those naps that, like, yeah. alarm if anything happened or she stopped breathing. And one night that alarm went off. And it, I mean, I've never, and it was just because she'd rolled off the mat. And I was like, right, yeah. I don't know whether this is helping my, my psyche right now. Nobody prepares you for just how hellish it is to have something that you love so much and be so afraid of losing them. But at the same time, I was very career focused. I couldn't really stop working because I was freelance and because everything had, I hadn't really planned for that to happen. I was going to work right up until I had her. And I just tried to work at home when she was asleep. We used the Gina Ford method, which I think some people don't think is so great, but it was the savior for me, sort of getting her to sleep at certain times and so that I could just get on with work. But I wasn't prepared for was how boring it was and how much I love my daughter, but just how boring it was being at home with a baby <laughs> and playing like I've been diagnosed with ADHD later in yeah. life. And that, we'll, we'll yeah. about that a bit, <laughs> you and I are both in the same boat with that. And I just find playing really tricky. I'm good to do stuff like, come, let's make pancakes or let's yeah. go to the shops or let's do an activity. But if you have to tell me to sit there and... Oh, do a puzzle yeah. yeah for me if the activity had a goal so to make a cake or to yes. do some craft or do something where there was like a this is where yeah. we start and this is where it finishes and we get something at the end but just that kind of lying on the floor playing with dolls my husband is so good at that kind of playing and that is not my sweet spot <laughs> so yeah and I wasn't prepared also for how lonely it was because my daughter was obviously born three months prematurely so I missed the, all the NCT classes and so didn't get to meet any other mums. Although some people might say that's not such a bad thing. Yes. My health visitor put me in touch with some other mums who'd had babies, but I had nothing in common with them because they all had like big bonny babies who weren't on mm-hmm. all sorts of medication. And I just felt like I didn't fit in. And I think, but I realised I probably would have been like that anyway. And just the whole, I, I don't know, like talking about nappies and formula in it. I kind of thought that I would be interested in it, but I was just completely... a lot of boob talk in the mum's Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of judgment and a lot of competition as well. And, and not a lot of community. And as somebody that was quite career focused, like I probably made quite a lot of wrong decisions, actually, based on my fear of other people's judgment about childcare and things. And I often say to people now that... <laughs> If I could change things, one thing I would put my daughter into childcare for longer because I tried oh to, I tried to struggle on, you know, like half time childcare when I really needed full time. Oh, I'm so glad that you called <laughs> this out because that is the one thing I say for me, why I wanted to be my own business owner was to have the flexibility. But I think I was so consumed with trying to seem like I had it all together and that I could be this fully present mum and smash it in the boardroom, not literally the boardroom, but you know what I mean? And I just, I stressed myself out. So absolutely. Thank you for saying that because I think someone might be listening to this and needed that permission. Yeah. I just think that there's so much judgment and I had a childminder who didn't work during the summer holidays or school holidays, which was fine. So what I should have said is, okay, I'm going to work full time and leave my daughter with her and then we'll take the holidays off together and we'll work that out. 
But I tried to exist on two or three days. In fact, it got so bad at one point that I actually went back to teaching for a little while, but I did it for about a year, like very part-time. And I was like, no, I don't want to do this. There was a reason why I didn't want to do this. And, <laughs> and and I think also I didn't articulate. So I remember when my daughter started school, I think I made the wrong decision about what school to send her to because it was based around my panic about not being able to get my work done. And I remember saying to my husband at the time, I need you to take some time off to help me when she starts school because she was really clingy. And I, my husband, he just immediately was defensive. I can't take any time off. So I didn't pursue it. Whereas me now would be like, no, come on, no. You've, got, you've got to do your bit here. <laughs> yeah. And I ended up probably making the wrong decision about school and childcare because I was so worried about having to cope with all of that on my own. And I remember one of the, my daughter was, she did really struggle still to settle into school and she was only moving to the classroom next door. But one of the other mums said to me on the playground, she has three children who were all you know, born perfectly healthy, no health problems and had each other at the school. And my daughter was crying every single day at the school gate. And I remember thinking, this is never going to end. And she said, well, you know, come to a point, you just need to tell her to stop crying you know <laughs> and you know you're just like well that's all well, very well for you with your three children who've got each other you know I have an early child like you I am an early child and it's interesting there's a lot of people who should on you with what you should and shouldn't do and I think as mums we just need to just kind of check ourselves sometimes on the advice we give other mums and it's so easy to do isn't it oh you should do this you should do that but actually I think if we can just share our experiences and lessons learned rather than yeah and 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 support you know another mum made me this beautiful shoebox and this like imaginary rabbit that we gave to my daughter and she made up this whole story with this little shoebox with this rabbit and this little my daughter still talks about it now and this imaginary rabbit that was going to look after her school (laughs) that was more helpful this creative parent who made who made this little little shoebox of goodies and this whole story that this rabbit was looking after my daughter, that was much more helpful than telling me I should tell her to stop crying. Yeah, it's amazing. See, I'm much more the mum who's like, should we go for wine? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I know I'm a health coach, but I think just it's more so it can be coffee, it can be anything. But I think sometimes you just need to look at that mum who looks so overwhelmed and just be like, I got you. Yeah, I think we need to put our arms around each other rather than be separate. And I had other incidents where there was a time where I was, my daughter had a graduation ceremony from nursery or something ridiculous thing anyway. But And I had a meeting and it was about a piece of work that would pay our mortgage for months and months. So I got my mum to come with me and I got my mum to sit with me at the front. My daughter's really close to my mum. She's almost as good as having me. But I got up to leave and stood at the back just so that I could get out quickly without trampling all over everyone. And she started to cry because she thought I'd gone. And I heard these mums saying about me, you know, oh, she's gone to work. And it was like work was the most disgusting thing you could ever do. And to hear that judgment reflected back at you was quite, quite interesting. But all of those, all of those experiences, I think, help build up that resilience. And and when you you go to business, it's life lessons. I have a husband who's hands on and I'm always just sitting there with like inferiority complex when it comes to my husband. He's like, I would happily be a house husband but there's certain things that you need to do as a female and I really resonate with what you're saying because I'll go on a business trip and I'll go away for five days and I you know it's like oh goodness who's gonna look after your daughter and it's like well, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well no I went to the Philippines twice on a business retreat which was a big decision for me my daughter was probably about six or seven and people said who's gonna look after her, her dad is going to look after her because he's her father 
and she will be fine. But I was so glad that I did it. And I also hope that I'm setting a good example to her that it's okay to have a family and travel and to follow your career and that you don't have to apologize. As she's got older, I've got less and less apologetic about everything. I just think as much as this is the Healthy and Thriving Career Men's podcast, I just believe you need to do what's going to keep your health and well-being in check so that you can be a healthy and fulfilled parent because there is no point in trying to do everything on the list that you think you've got to do in order to conform to whose norms, whose societal expectations, because actually it's about you feeling whole within yourself. And I know you're someone who strikes me as having an incredible amount of self-awareness of who they are as a person and what makes them tick. And just that feeling of of no judgment for ourselves, particularly, because I think as mothers, we're the worst at judging ourselves. Definitely. And I don't cook really anymore. My husband cooks and he's quite a fussy eater. His mom said to me, oh, do you know what? I used to like cooking and then I had him and it put me off and I soon came to the same conclusion. I think there's a lot of mums listening to this right now who are like, I've got the fussy kids, they're on the white food phase and my daughter started saying no to a few things and I'm fine of saying, but you haven't even tried it. (laughs) (laughs) I've stopped all the guilt about that. I hate anything domestic, any cleaning or laundry. And, And as I've got older I've got less apologetic about if I can pay somebody else to do it I'm the opposite I love to cook and I can't bake I can't follow a recipe Mm. in that sense but I can cook really well I actually like doing domestic tasks but if I can pay someone to clean and so that that frees me up I would much rather and this is what I always try to get across to mums is delegation and actually paying as a business owner, if your hourly rate is a certain amount and you can delegate that task to someone whose hourly rate is, say, half that amount, then actually it's more productive for you to work and do something you enjoy, assuming you do, of course. So I think it's also just about getting comfortable around that. And I read such a great article the other day about these business owners who paid, had housekeepers and chefs. When you look at the amount that they were spending, it wasn't something that's for the rich and famous, but actually I was thinking, those are some great goals to have. And there's all sorts Mm. of things people can do nowadays, meal delivery services, and there's lots of hacks. And I think as women now, as you say, that whole being a present parent, and that's different for everybody. So I love that you're very honest about those things and those challenges. (laughs) And my daughter says to me, if my husband's out, what are we having? Baked potatoes, (laughs) AFC, Pizza Express, or last night it was giant crumpets. Apparently I make the best mash in the world. So if I can rouse myself, I make sausage and mash. But I used to to worry about the fact that I didn't cook. But my husband's really fussy. It used to take ages. I'd rather wash up than cook. And um, so, you know, it works. He cooks things that he will eat and we just eat them and everybody's happy. Everybody just thinks that you're not very healthy because that's actually not you. You're actually a person who looks after their health, both mentally and physically. And I know running's a big part of how you've coped with stresses over the years. So tell me a bit more about those healthy habits that you have. So I definitely have healthy exercise habits. (laughs) I would say my diet isn't always as healthy, but I run regularly. And that is the thing that really keeps me going. And even if I get to the end of the day, because sometimes I do work really long hours and it really gets on my nerves when people pretend that they don't work long hours. <laughs> I think a lot of people who have a business like mine, they certainly will put in the hours, maybe not to the extent that I do, but they're certainly putting in 
a good day's work and I will get to the end of the day. And for me, if I feel myself starting to get quite negative or just feeling tired and grumpy, running is like the best thing ever because you go out, I run with a a few different running clubs. I feel so much better. The confidence that I've got from running, because I didn't used to think I was very good at sport and it turns out I'm actually quite a bit better than I thought I was. I've just qualified as a run leader actually to run to help other women actually because I remember going to the running club for the first time and just being like oh my god everyone's going to be so fast and I really believe in inclusivity and that you don't have to be a fast runner to get something out of running and I hate the fact that people might not run because they think it's only for super fast sporty sporty people so I've just I've been helping to run a 0 to 5k program which has been really really nice but for me it is more about the mental thing but I also I feel a lot better when I'm slimmer when I am a weight that is healthy and I'm not feeling sluggish or my clothes are too tight or whatever. So there is that part of it as well. But for me, it's it's the mental shift. If I go out and have a run or even just a walk around the block, it's about movement. It just changes your body chemistry and you you can feel it. And I can have a terrible day, go out for a run or go out and meet some friends for a run and come back and feel on top of the world. And for me, that's what it's about, I think. That's so amazing. And, and how many people maybe would think, oh, just, I'll go to the pub and have a drink and see some people but actually it's the endorphins it's getting the dopamine all the serotonin release all that good stuff pumping through your veins that is I know for me sometimes I just don't feel like working out and then I always but I love the feeling in my in yeah. my body and my muscles when I have done it so I totally resonate with what you're saying and exercise for me is such a coping strategy for so much especially everyday stresses and I think that naught to 5k is just an incredible thing. And so many women in this community will be looking to do, you know, the Couch to, to 5K app is amazing. And I didn't know this until recently. I've never used it. And you have different voices. And yeah, yeah, yeah. so I think, as you say, that inclusivity. And I think a lot of women are intimidated. They'll go join a gym or they'll go to a running club and, mm, and it's yeah. intimidating. Yeah. One of the things I've really enjoyed about Nought to 5K is to kind of just give people that encouragement to come back and if you know just to say I always aim to go and talk to everyone in my little section because that's half of it isn't it like you go somewhere and you get involved in something and nobody talks to you or no one includes you and so for me it's always about like it feels feels a bit like school when you don't get picked and all those things come back flooding back to you the shame and you know that day of school feeling where you don't know anyone and once you become a mother and you go back into those types of environments. I think sometimes your confidence has been a bit shaken. And I think Mm. having inclusivity like that is just incredible. Yeah. I think there's just so much confidence to be had. And I've seen it time and time again from when your body is doing things for you that you're like, wow, I didn't know I could do that. But now I've I've done sort of running out in the woods and stuff. And and I see myself climbing over things or crawling under things. And I think I never would have done that before because I would have been really self-conscious about myself. I think it's amazing how much it can change your brain. Reshaping those neural pathways. I love all that neuroplasticity. But before we finish off, I would love for you to tell our listeners more about how they could work with you if what you've said today has really resonated. And I know for me, having been a part of your membership the last couple of years has been such a game changer for me and my business. It's the reason that I'm sitting here on a podcast right now talking to you and just being able to share the way that you've been able to teach me to share my heart and message and my content with other people has made such a huge difference to my confidence. 
So I just could not be more of a fan. <laughs> oh, that's really nice to hear. And I should have said this at the beginning, but my brand has evolved so much and, and it's now the Courageous Content Planner and Courageous Content. And that really came from, there was a podcast interview I did quite a few years ago where the guests sort of turned the tables on me and started coaching me. And she was a branding expert. And she said to me, I don't think what you really do is teach people about content and audience building. I think what you do is you help to give people courage. And I was like, yeah, I think that's right. And that's the thing that anchors me as well. So when I'm having a bad day or things are going wrong or, and I think, what am I here for? Yes, I'm here to teach people about content. The thing I'm most proud of is things like encouraging women to make reels. Like I was just editing a video with you on it before that's got, I've got 85K on one of my reels. I know, can you believe it? A reel with 85,000 views and you taught me that. Yeah. And for me, it isn't even about like how many views people get. It's more about somebody says, I was too scared to do that and now I've done it. And it isn't just about video. It can be people who are too scared to share their opinion or we're just too scared to have a go. Really taught me how to yeah. do that in a way that challenges me with the right amount of courage. And it's not about going out there and sort of bearing your soul either. But at the same time, there are certain things that we could all afford to be a bit more courageous with. The analogy that comes to mind for me is, is about, like a lot of people say to me, I just want somebody to tell me what to post, where and when. Well, <laughs> now that's not helpful because we've all got different no. businesses and different audiences and different messages we need to share. But what I've tried to do is create something that's as close to that as possible that gives you the scaffolding. So yes. I've got this planner this year and it's got this four by four content strategy, four stars of content, four days a week. There is a plan that you can follow and adapt yourself. It's probably as close as you could get to templates without being templates because they're rubbish and they don't work. But I think about my own journey with fitness, actually, and I think about I got a personal trainer and it was the best thing that I ever did because I was terrified in that gym. I didn't know what things yeah. did. I didn't know what I could do. Someone would show me how to do something on my induction, then I'd forget the next time. And although it felt like a big investment to start off with, like I remember it was like 30 pounds an hour, four mm -hmm. times. That was a lot of money for me at the time. But my personal trainer, Paul, who I was still speak really fondly of, I can't begin to just having him there by my side and him just telling me what to do when and having my program to follow. So when I went back to the gym, I knew what I had to do in more order. And that's really probably what Courageous Content is about. People often say to me, well, how do I get courageous enough to do video? Well, you have to make video. Yeah. Unfortunately, there is no way around it. I can't give you a magic it's having, trick. It's like having you there to give us the encouragement, give us the tracks to run on. If you want to excel in an area of your life, it is about that investment. And I think it's about like your stabilizers. It's like, I know what to do when I get in the gym. I've got a, a little list of things that I can do to follow. And then when you get more confident, you get your wings and you start doing more of your own thing. But sometimes you just need that structure. And this is not just for new business owners. I've had people who've had a business for years and years and years. They've just not, they're just new to online and they're new to creating content online and making sales. And the last point I'm going to make, consistency isn't enough, unfortunately. You've got to create good engaging content, which is something that you've learned. Like you can show up regularly and not make a single sale. You've got to take risks. So I do stupid things like dress up in Batman outfits and things. <laughs> and then people go, okay, well, she can do that. Then I can have a go. So that's really what it's about for me. And the best place to, if you want to find out about any of this stuff is my website, which is janetmurray.co.uk. If Wendy's open to it, we normally give podcast guests a, a code. Yes, absolutely. Code. I want everybody um, to know about you because as I say, you've been such a game changer for me in my life and business and just given me so much confidence as a working mom, not just from a content perspective, but also just as an example of someone yeah. who is very real about their struggles, very honest, and just continues to put one foot in front of the other. And I think as moms, sometimes we've just got to remember that we're all just doing our best, consistency, slow and steady. Yeah. Um, so that's website, 
Instagram at Jen Murray UK. Tag me yes, on Wendy. Yes, and go check out her reels. She is fabulous. <laughs> I think, you know, it's so true. You sort of start off going, I could never get into this reels thing. And then like next minute you're in yeah. a Batwoman outfit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much for all your wisdom and your real honesty and vulnerability today because I've heard you talk about your story a few times, but even listening to you again today is just, I really resonated with so many of the stories that you share just being of my own struggles and journey. And I know that there'll be a lot of listeners who do as well. So thank you so much, Janet, and we will speak to you soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So what kind of busy mum are you? Take my free quiz and find out which of the four profiles you might be. You'll get your results straight away and I'll even send you my top tips based on your results to support you on your journey to healthy and thriving. Go to the link in my show notes and take a couple of minutes to find out what you are. Thank you for listening to the Healthy and Thriving Career Mums podcast. For more resources to support you on your journey, visit my website, wendygriffith.co.uk. And please also come join our Facebook community, Healthy and Thriving Career Mums. This is a safe, no judgment space where we share and inspire each other. And if you got value from today's episode, I'd be so grateful if you would share this with other career moms who would benefit too, either through social media or leaving a five-star review. You can find me at Wendy Griffith Live Healthy on Instagram and Facebook. Until next time, God bless, stay healthy and keep thriving.